Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. In today's episode, I am giving you four questions to ask you and your team about your vendor process. I know you guys are doing double duty, some still working from home and all the risks that come with that, um, where some have moved to working a hybrid model um, with some percentage of remote versus in-office work, while again, some more are back to work 100%. But for all scenarios, Ask these four questions to make sure you are not allowing fraud, exposing your company to regulatory fines, and that you are not adding inaccurate or bad vendor data to your vendor master file. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 138, four questions to ask of your vendor setup and maintenance process for 2021. So unlike last year this time, and as of the published date of this podcast, which will be Thursday, uh, June 3rd, 2021. So unlike last year, this time, June of 2020, um, by now vendor teams have adapted to the abrupt um, work from home chaos of last year. Your team members are set up to remotely and maybe even have uh, adapted to a hybrid scenario where they can easily switch from working at home um, to working in the office, no problem. Um, You worked around the payment method by checks issue uh, by getting more of your vendors to accept electronic payment methods or even card payments. But here are four questions that you may still need to ask when adding a new vendor or updating an existing vendor in your vendor master file, no matter the working scenario that your team is currently in, or maybe because of the working scenario that your team is currently working in. Okay, the first question is, have you secured your vendor master file? So least privilege access should be followed at all times. Now, what does that mean? That means you only give edit access to those team members that add or update vendor records. 
those that do not add or update vendor records allow them view only access for search purposes. In addition, for those that have only uh, view access or have view only access, make sure you mask all except the last four or five digits of the vendor's birth date, tax ID, which can be an SSN or EIN, as well as remove the routing number from view. Now, if you get any pushback from the APT members that post invoices, they should only need the last four or five digits of the tax ID in order to match and make sure that they're posting the invoice to the right vendor ID if they have uh, the tax ID to compare against. And that goes the same for bank account numbers if they need to make sure, for example, in PeopleSoft, that they're posting to the right location with the right bank account number. Now, you can check out my episode uh, 14 for more details on how to work with IT to achieve that goal. Because in some ERPs, you're going to have to work with your IT team in order to configure uh, that masking rule. And also um, least privilege access to make sure that you're updating access for specific team members based on what they really need. Now, the second question you need to ask is, are you authenticating vendor or internal employee inquiries? Now, when you call your bank, do they just give you the information you want on your account? Absolutely not. They authenticate you first and you need to do the same for your vendors or for your internal employees that use their personal email or cell phone to contact the vendor team. And that has increased since the pandemic. So what you want to do is request at least two pieces of identifying information, such as a PO number and the last four digits of the vendor's tax ID on record, or if they're um, uh, requesting or inquiring about uh, changing existing vendor uh, banking, then maybe you ask them the last four digits of the uh, existing uh, bank account that you have on record. Now, if they don't have that, you need to wonder or ask yourself, do they really have the authority to change the banking if they don't know or don't have access to ask what the existing banking is? But in any event, you go ahead and you ask the two or three identifying questions. And usually I recommend that you create a matrix and you have many more uh, uh, pieces of criteria in addition to the PO number, last four digits of the vendor's tax ID, um, last four digits of the vendor's uh, bank account uh, on record if they have one, uh, maybe an invoice number, uh, invoice date, the buyer's name, uh, get a matrix together and then provide that with four or five or more uh, different pieces of uh, uh, criteria that you can ask and do it for your internal employees as well. And that can be anything from hierarchy. Um, so their manager's name, their director's name, uh, also uh, maybe some location information like their um, uh, cubicle number or their telephone number. Um, but I do have a couple of uh, webinars that talk about the authentication process and how to do it. And instead of me trying to explain it here, I will go ahead and link to that 
in the um, blog post, applicable blog post that'll be linked in the show notes for this episode. And so make sure you check that out. But in any event, um, once you uh, uh, go through that authentication process, uh, if they are successful, you can go ahead and then talk about whatever issue uh, they, they are calling in or emailing about. But if they are not successful, guess what? You have saved your team additional processes, um, including a potential confirmation phone call if they're changing banking and maybe even avoided a potential fraud. So the point is, is if they do not successfully authenticate, the whole process stops. Okay, the third question that uh, you should ask is, should you increase your vendor validations? Now, currently, most vendor teams are aware that they need to collect the IRS Form W-9 um, for U.S. Uh, vendors or the IRS Form W-8 and whatever applicable version is uh, valid for their vendor. Um, and then validate that legal name tax ID combination with IRS records at the time of vendor setup. And I do say at the time of vendor setup, because that should be validated before you pay them. After that, you lose your leverage of getting an accurate IRS form submitted uh, if you've already paid them and they don't expect any additional payments. Now, in addition to doing the IRS 10 match with that legal name and tax ID combination at the time of vendor setup, I also recommend that the same validations be done when any request is received to update the vendor record. If the change affects any of the information on the IRS forms, then you do need to collect a new one and recheck against uh, IRS records. The same for address validations, bank validations, and also your government watch list validations. uh, my rule of thumb is if you touch that vendor record, you really need to revalidate all the information on it. It's about the only time that you get to do that uh, revalidation unless you are performing that vendor master file cleanup regularly. And I know uh, with the the time it takes uh, to do that and the fact that it's mostly a manual process, that revalidation on a large scale is just not always done. And if you're doing it on an annual basis, why not take the time if the vendor has uh, submitted a request to update information to revalidate that vendor file at that time or that vendor record? at that time. Um, at least you get to touch it um, more than annually. And I know that some of you out there are not really updating your vendor master file or cleaning your vendor master file, even on an annual basis. So take advantage of the fact that you have a request to update the vendor record and perform all of the validations on that vendor at that time. Now, if you need a list of all recommended vendor validations, along with resource links, um, including bank account ownership validation, like early warning GIAC or NS Knox, I do have a vendor vendor validation reference list, again, with resource links uh, as a free download. And so I will put a link to that in the show notes. So make sure you download it because I I had uh, 25 on there and I think I added one or two more. So it's about 27 different uh, 
validations. And all of those validations uh, won't be applicable for all of your vendors. Um, it depends on what type of entity you are. It depends on what type of vendors that you have. But some of them are universal, uh, like the IRS uh, 10 match uh, and the address standardization and the address status. I have that on there as well. So make sure you download it if you haven't already. And as a matter of fact, if you've downloaded it already um, or prior um, to this podcast episode, I updated it uh, May, middle of May. So if you downloaded it prior to that, make sure you download an updated copy. Now, the fourth and the last question you should ask is, are your procedures documented and are your team members following it? So let's say authentication, um, validation, management processes have been put into place, especially since the pandemic, those may have changed, but you put those processes into place and you did that to ensure that no matter which scenario your team members are working, either totally remote remote, um, a hybrid situation, or totally in the office. You put those processes into place to ensure that the vendor master file contains real vendors, has accurate data, and that there are no fraudulent payments. Now, how can you ensure that your team members are following the process? Matter of fact, I think the bigger question is, is to make sure that they know the process, and that includes you too, um, making sure that they know the process and have something to actually follow. And the answer um, to that is, documenting your processes. Now, not only will documenting your processes provide a resource for existing and new employee training, which can be uh, critical, but it also can provide a basis to create an audit. So if you don't already have a vendor process audit in place, because you know, I lots of us have those um, internal audits in addition to our external audits, but it also, it doesn't always get down to the vendor process. So if you don't already have a vendor process audit in place, add it to ensure that team members are following the process. Now, this audit doesn't have to go to the external auditors. It doesn't have to go to the internal auditors. It can be something that can be done within the leadership of accounts payable or the vendor team. Um, It can be done by a supervisor or a manager. You just need to review it with leadership and your auditors to confirm what that process is going to be and get that approved. Now, I do have an episode where I talk about uh, desktop procedures. It's called Get Your Vendor Setup and Maintenance Desktop Procedures in Order. It's episode 38. So uh, make sure you check out that episode if you uh, need to update your desktop procedures or maybe create some desktop procedures. Um, also, uh, I do have a free download of a desktop procedure uh, template, and that comes with uh, automated table of contents. It includes the sections that are kind of best practice for uh, desktop procedures for uh, the accounts payable vendor team. Um, And so it includes sections like um, the purpose, uh, what security roles are required, that type of thing. So go ahead. Um, I will uh, put a link to uh, download that template, desktop procedure template in the blog post uh, that will be linked in uh, the podcast show notes. 
Okay, those were the four questions. So take whichever question you need, or maybe all four, and ask that of your vendor process. So thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 138th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.